0: Hey everybody, it's Jim Surek. Thanks for joining. I do appreciate you tuning in to the Medical Sales Nation. Um, On this podcast, we are talking about the new normal when it comes to marketing's role in softening up the front lines so that the sales force, when they walk in, The office, the doctor, the providers, everybody involved has heard about the company, has heard about the product, has heard about the value you're creating in the healthcare system and your particular specialty. Obviously, we know in the past sales reps are launched, they're trained, and then they're launched. And you go kick indoors and uh, you, uh, you drive utilization through uh, your selling skills. Well, we all know, especially now, that COVID is raging and um, it looks like it's going to be a long winter that getting inside a doctor's office to have a sales call or forget about getting into the operating room and, you know, covering a case, sure, but sticking around and selling, no way. So how are you going to get those uh, eyeballs, the attention of the doctors and all the providers in the office on your product, on your new product, on what you're doing um, that's going to drive your revenue? So, What I believe in, and my guest Tom Patzelt believes and has um, put a lot of energy, thought, and uh, work into the new normal of commercialization where marketing has to drive the assault and softening the the front lines to get that message out, to get the eyeballs, to get those doctors knowing about your company, your product, and, and the value that you provide to the healthcare system where before it was the sales reps kicking in doors after they got trained and using relationships and getting in. Um, Yeah, relationships are still going to be there, but uh, getting inside an office to make sales calls and new product, new specialty, you need a commercialization organization, especially in marketing, that is leading that charge that is getting the message out, using new digital resources, using social media. It's a new norm, and we need to embrace it. And Tom Patzelt is going to walk through what he thinks needs to happen um, and the different ways of going about it. And once again, it's just two people at a bar having a conversation and trying to understand our crazy market in these crazy times. So without further ado let's get at it welcome back everybody to another episode of the medical sales nation it's jim stark glad you could join us again on these, uh, on these crazy days of COVID and uh, making things happen in med tech. So excited to see some of the progress going on out there. Um, I have a guest who, uh, his name is Tom Petzelt and him and I were partners over at Intelis. That's where we got to know each other, work together and uh, created a pretty successful company. Obviously that Striker acquired and uh, Tom ran the marketing over there and has gone on and and multiple specialties, and has done some great things. Um, he's really diving into the digital marketing space as we as we're in this COVID environment and what it's going to look like afterwards. But instead of me going into your background, Tom, and and, uh, and introducing you to the medical sales nation audience, why don't you dive into? who you are, where you come from, and what you're doing now, and then we will go into uh, the the digital marketing resources that is going to drive our medtech world in the future.
1: Thanks, Jim. And uh, yes, very excited to be uh, part of the podcast. I've enjoyed listening to myself, and uh, so it's good to participate today. And by way of background, I've got about 30 years of experience in strategic marketing and most of that time has been in medtech, and uh, within medtech, I sort of cut my teeth at Medtronic, but for the last 11 years, I've been involved with startups. I've had a chance to work with a lot of different types of products, you know, from office products to surgical robotics to uh, neurostimulation or cardiac rhythm implantables. So uh, kind of a broad base of experience to, to draw on. Um, I've been one one consistent though is I've been involved with digital marketing um, on and off since 2004, so so very early on. And uh, what's what's interesting is since March, I uh, I've been consulting and also been deep diving into the amazing proliferation of digital technology that's been going on, and of course only accelerated by uh, COVID and and all the challenges it's presented remotely. So. Um really excited to talk to you today about uh, how we can apply this stuff, uh, both during the crisis and then uh, sort of after on the other side, as people say, to, uh, to boost sales and marketing productivity.
0: Yeah, so it's interesting. You said, you know, what we're doing now has just been accelerated and you've heard folks, you know, you read about it, you listen to it, it's on LinkedIn about how we, how we're now doing things like telemedicine, right? Telemedicine was, you know, maybe 2% of a doctor's practice when they did something like that. Now it's 80%. So all we did was bring the future forward 10 years, five or 10 years. And, um, and now we're using digital technologies that were out there that B2B was using, has been using, but now in the med tech space, we're grabbing onto it. So, let's just get at it you know when it when it comes to our environment because obviously this audience is mainly commercial folks and we've got a lot of listeners who are on this pod that listen to this podcast and are young new in their career so some exciting things to talk about because so let's go back 20 years and even f- 5 years 10 years when commercial sales reps were launched into the field They were trained. They put through a training program, sales training, clinical training, and went out and made cold calls. And what were those cold calls? They were knocking on doors. They weren't sending emails, or at least the good reps weren't just sending emails and and, and making phone calls. They were knocking on doors, trying to get past the gatekeepers. That's the way in which we won the battle. Right. But, mm-hmm. but now, right. I talked to some folks and it's different everywhere. I talked to somebody from the Mid-South um, regional manager who said, yeah, we, we pretty much have access to our docs because, you know, COVID, it's just the cultural belief. It's it's not that big of a deal. So they're, they're letting folks in. Not everyone, but enough where they're making sales calls. Then I've talked to people on the West Coast and the Northeast saying, no, it's a little bit more challenging, and the different specialties make it challenging. Now, I'm not talking about sales calls calling on your doctor that's always been using your product, right? Because that's easy. You've, ar- you've already built that relationship. You can text. You can get on the phone. You, you probably can get into the office as a rep as long as you know it's, it's structured appropriately. What we're really talking about is gaining new users of your product gaining access to providers that is much more challenging today with the covid obviously than it's ever been before and i know you've been diving like you said into this space really going deep and looking at the tools that are out there to it'll make a sales rep's life easier if used appropriately but it's the company has to use these digital resources but Instead of me saying that, let me ask you. So you, you look at today's environment and you see COVID and you see the resources and tools out there. What what are you consulting on? What are you telling people to think about? Uh, how are you approaching COVID and then what post-COVID is going to look like?
1: Yep. Well, um, you know, the, uh, I think you hit the nail on the head with your comment about about. A new business so if we sort of break this break this down into um, let's say where we are now so we're kind of post that immediate crisis phase where everything shut down now we're more into this you know uh, sort of steady state phase where uh, as you said for existing business um, seems like in general that reps are able to to do what they need to do with to get to hospitals to cover their cases or uh you know to, to be able to communicate with existing docs. Um, and so you know the challenge we've got right now is that uh how do you, as you pointed out, how do you make those shoe leather contacts? If you can't have the you know bump into the dock in the elevator or you know see them in the OR at the scrub sink, all those types of things, how are you going to be able to uh grow the business at you know, it, it, at a rate that, frankly, companies are going to expect. So. Um, so, yeah. So the existing accounts, you know, you can feel, uh, I think, you know, sort of reasonably good about. But for the new stuff, uh, it's it's a, a totally different story. And, and of course, you know, the more your product is new, the more that you are new to your customer base, the more that your company is new, the more you're affected by all this. So, you know, obviously a long-term rep at Medtronic with a stable set of, you know, customers is going to be a lot less impacted than somebody new hasn't even called in this area before potentially. And, you know, now has to build all this from the ground up. Yeah. So just on that point,
0: it's really interesting. So I, I do talk to a lot of people all week long about many, many different issues as, you know, I'm in the digital healthcare space now. Um, you know, trying to bring the entire company back into the operating room—not just a rep virtually covering a case—that's pretty easy. But getting an entire company back in, um, to to get that voice, of that customer, and so it's an exciting time. But interestingly, talking to all these people across the country about these different challenges that they have—you know, even doing clinical trials—how um, do you do a clinical trial if? You're just hoping a di- maybe a distributor rep gathers all the data that you need to be able to present to the FDA because your clinical people can't be in there. That's a big problem that needs to be solved. And um, what is interesting is that all these managers from these different companies have told me if I have reps that have, have at least five-year tenure, tenure with the company or within the field, their access is, is fairly good greater than five years, it's really good. If you're new, they're struggling, right? So if you're taking yep. a new job with, a, you know, I don't care what, what field it is, um, you're challenged. And right. so I just wanted to emphasize that is that even if you're with Medtronic, or Boston, or J&J, you know, the, the big strategics out there, and you're new, you're still going to be challenged. And so, uh, so I couldn't agree more, and, and that sentiment is, is alive and well in the med tech field.
1: Yeah, so, uh, you know, completely agree. Glad you brought that up because, you know, from the – what we've really talked about is, is the selling and the proctoring components of this. But the company, of course, has interests um, going beyond that. It's, and, you know, obviously being in marketing and having been involved a lot with product development, you know, how, a critical part of that is product input. And so the question is, if you, if you, as a product manager or an R and D person, can't get into an OR, um, then you lose the opportunity to observe the case. And so, where really, what, what are your options? Well, you know, you can sort of interview the reps, and you know that's okay. But I mean, now you now you lose the chance to sort of see the frustration on a physician's face when they get to a certain yeah. phase or when yeah. they're trying to use your product. You're missing that. You're also missing the opportunity to interact directly and ask questions and say, hey, doctor, I noticed you know, this was a challenge. Can you talk about that? So, so it's, it's definitely not as, it, not as good to be able to do that. And that's, that's a challenge that isn't necessarily being felt in 2020, but it can delay R&D programs that's going to you know, slow things down 2021-2022. So so that is that is definitely an issue that's out there, um, you know, to a greater or lesser extent. And then the other um, and then, of course, case coverage. So, you know, we've heard uh, that sales reps uh, sometimes, you know, companies are limiting it to one person and sometimes it's the sales rep. And so then the question becomes, if your company has clinical specialists, you know, if, if, if they can't get in, then now the rep's going to have to do a disproportionate amount of case coverage, and that cuts into selling time. So, right. you know, so so that's sort of where we are on the on the on the existing side. But again, the, the the bigger challenge really is when you start thinking about, um, you know, what's what goes on with the new accounts. And so, uh, you know, as we talked about, we already talked about, you know, getting getting access to the physicians. But here's another one. If your product is used in the hospital, and you've got to get, you know, through the process of the hospital getting your product uh, available, and you know, let's for a minute, let's maybe just focus on the value analysis committee members. You know, do you have the same access to them that you had previously? How much is this going to slow you down in getting going in a new account? Right. So, so you know, there's um, and. Uh, you know, not to bury the lead, as they say, but, you know, there's definitely tools out there that can assist with that process. um, And, you know, we can come back and talk about that. But um, I think, you know, uh, so so net net of all of this is, you know, when companies are looking at 2021 right now, um, I I actually posted an article yesterday and talked about how in a lot of ways in 2020, we got uh, a mulligan, right? So it's sort of like, yeah, who could expect a pandemic? You know, I can't really hold you to whatever number we agreed. Yeah, exactly. For the whole year. Yeah. But now we're in the 2021. And so now you go have a different conversation. And if you're a board or you're an investor, you're, you're just sitting there and saying, well, I get it, guys. But what I've seen is looks like the business has mostly come back. So they're not, you know, what they're observing is, hey, a lot of the revenue, the revenue we just saw, you know, earnings reports released, you know, just in the past week, J&J, and a lot of of the numbers are sort of strengthening and coming back. So they may say, well, looks to me like you guys, you know, are back in business, so, you know, let's assume that we're going to be growing at the same rate we were before all this started. And so that's going to present a huge challenge, and and you know the expectations are higher in 2021 than they are in 2020. Even though I think we all probably agree, we're, it's going to be a long, you know, we're going to be well into 2021 before uh, we're back to anything near normal in terms of access and yeah. uh, with docs. So you know, I, I think that you know this really is the big thing that's facing folks. Um, sort of in this phase of living with COVID is, is getting that new new accounts and new business going.
0: And so and so let's so that's that's the thing though, right? Is that we laid out the the problem here, I think, pretty clearly is that yeah, you're you're getting access to cover your cases, and I believe, and I've said this before. There's a symbiotic relationship between vendors and providers because both need to. Well, the providers need to treat the patients. They got to get these patients in surgery, um, but they also need the revenue. Let's just be honest about it. I mean, you hear about these the hospitals that are going under, um, and you know, which is sad in communities, in which you see this happen. But hospitals don't work on great margins. So something like this happens, it's devastating. Um, Yeah. You know, but the, the vendors need the revenue, the hospitals need the revenue. So there's not a lot of fighting, if you will. And I shouldn't say fighting, but this combative nature uh, between hospitals and vendors right now because they need each other. Mm -hmm. Um, And, but that's only, and this is, this, this is exactly like what you're saying is that, and I've had these conversations with many is That's great. Your business is back to 85, 90 percent of what it was pre-COVID. Everyone's really excited about that. Um, Companies are saying, you know, 2021 expect higher sales. Well, of course. Right. Mm -hmm. Of course, because for about four or five months, you didn't sell anything. Right. So so you're so from from a year over year perspective, it's going to look great. Right. But you have people internally at a small startup to the large strategic saying, how are we going to grow? OK, how are we going to grow in this covid market? Right. Because they're doing their annual operating plans right now. They're looking at headcount. Right. Yeah. They're saying to themselves, do I need all these people if I can't get access? And and I've had these conversations with companies that have been very open about, yeah, they're they're looking at it, and I keep trying to communicate to folks, you need to adopt digital technologies to provide greater value to your customers in this environment, so you're more relevant to your company, and so and and so I see this when we talk about like the digital marketing, and let's get into this because um, in the past it was you know. Johnny and Judy going on knocking on doors, like I said before, that's harder. The marketing initiative that needs to take place in healthcare and medtech to, you know, to loosen up the front lines is more important than ever, and there needs to be, like I said, symbiotic relationship with vendors and um, and providers. Well, I'm tired of listening to the med tech world and sales and marketing fight each other and, and don't get along. Yep. Right. It's just you and I just worked side by side in Intellis. We we did everything we could. I mean, we had our disagreements, but then you know we came to a conclusion and we went forward. That needs to take place even at a greater extent today, so that yep. new rep, the rep with not a lot of tenure. Has an opportunity to grow revenue for the company, so it's not just about the yes. rep; it's about the company growing revenue. But there, there's a different approach that needs to be embraced. That because there's too many sales reps out there, it's like ah, it's my relationships, my business. Yeah, you now you have to grow ten percent, twenty percent, and that means you need new <laughs> right. relationships, right? How are you getting right. in? How are you getting in? Right? Yep. So you run us through your thoughts on that.
1: Yeah. Well yes we're getting again we're getting kind of into the meat of this so i think what i would add you know uh sort of before we get into you know kind of how else you know the world can help is let's let's think about you know this idea that okay so you know let's say some point next year a vaccine's out people have gotten it you know presumably we're going to say okay you know we're kind of. Quote-unquote back to normal in terms of how we can interact socially Um, So then you know, you might say well then you know business is going to be back to usual It'll be business as usual on the other side of this Um, And so I think I, I think that that's probably not true and the reason for that is I see two different types of reasons One is customer driven factors. So if you think about it, you know think about risk management in hospitals And so they're going to have gone through, you know, what, a year of this sort of operating in this different way. And people are going to say, hey, you know, we want to bring all these people in to the OR. And they're going to say, well, okay, so, uh, you know, what's been the challenge? You know, we had, have we had, you know, uh, huge problems? Have we had any any, uh, patient adverse events because we didn't have a company person there? Well, no hmm, okay, so basically you want me to take on more risk without a good reason. You know, so I, I think you're going to see pushback, not, of course, not on not on the latest technology, not on a highly complex new robotic system. Everybody gets that they're going to have to have support. But when you think of more, you know, and frankly what most of our business is, you know, implantables, things where there's not that much complexity in terms of, you know, the actual procedure, um, I think that you know it's going to be a really different story and then the other part of the equation and you you talked about it is company driven factors so you know we know that med tech companies um today are using technology for remote sales calls and remote or property so they're also getting comfortable operating with this and and you know quite frankly when you have a cfo looking at at you know expenses and they're saying well geez, you know, we're covering cases with our remote technology, you know, our sales are pretty good. They're not all the way back, but they're pretty good. You know, why, why do we want to go back to this model of, you know, we have to travel and we have to be there for everything. Right. You know, it seems to me like, 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 you know, in many ways we've been doing okay as is. And so, you know, I'm going to challenge about going back to the old way. Um, so, so I think, you know, when, when you net all that out, it's, it's, it's not going to be the same because of the motivations on all sides is, you know, what we realize now. And this is, I think, what Joe and others have alluded to on the podcast before is that, hey, you know, maybe – I guess the great question I have and I ask people, I'll say, okay, if I had asked you a year ago, um, what if I told you that you're going to have – uh, most of your sales calls via zoom next summer. Yeah. You know, what would you have said to me? Oh, no way. You know, our business, you never would do that in our business. You know, it's that close relationship with the doctor and it's gotta be in person. And, you know, we have to go out to dinner and I'm like, well, so, you know, apparently that's not really, that's not really true is what we've learned. And so, um, and, and now you, you, you kind of come back and like you said, so let's talk about, um, so, how would you get new business uh, in in this environment? Is there a way to 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 help with this new new business growth um, right. and it's and, and, and so the folks listening to this it's the company
0: it's a company strategy to get the eyeballs and attention of the doctors but the the sales force that's in the field has to be tied directly to that marketing campaign and message that's making it into the the potential customers eyes so it isn't one or the other it's really i see sales and marketing coming even closer together
1: and you know using digital tools to make that happen exactly and you know the way i i think you you know to think about it um is you know the you're going to come out so you know what kind of digital tools might come into play. Social media.
0: Let's talk about that, though. Let's talk about, okay, if it doesn't, I guess it doesn't matter, right, if you're a startup, anybody that's trying to gain eyeballs, right, Mm -hmm. um, and attention in the med tech world. Yes. If if we're talking there's a new way of doing it, well, what is that new way?
1: Yes. So I think, um, you know, well, let, let me, let me, let me just give you a little more on, cause you, you brought up the topic of prospecting. So yeah. let me go back to that for a second and talk about traditional prospecting first, because I think it's a great, uh, it's not just that there's different ways to do things. It's that the current ways eh, it's how we've done it, but is it the best way? Right. So, so I've been reading a lot about this prospecting in general and, 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 and in other industries. And one of the things that's very consistent, um, from, from all B2B industries, is most sales reps don't like prospecting. Yeah. <laughs> okay, it's, it's not why they got into sales, right? You get into sales for those big, meaty conversations where you can have a consultative sell, dive deep with the questions, learn about the customer, surface the pain. That, those, that's why you're in sales, and that's why companies value you. That's the skill set that is critical uh, that really is not replaceable any other way. So, so that's one. The other thing is, with all due respect, they're just not very good at it. Yeah, <laughs> it's, yeah. It's, because again, it's not what they're wired necessarily to do. It's not where they got into the business. So, you know, what they want to do. There's a there's a great phrase that, you know I've heard from selling, which is the the ABCs of selling. You know, always be closing. Yeah. Right. So in a perfect world, if you're a rep, if you could be if you could have a higher percentage of your day on those, you know, end of the sales process, bottom, bottom of the funnel type calls, of course, you'd want to do that. That's what you do. Well, that's what's going to bring in the most revenue and, you know, boost your income, et cetera. So so obviously. So the question really becomes for all of this is, is there a way that we can create that world, which is sort of a win win for everybody? And, and this is where other industries ha- are way ahead of us. You know, I, I, I've, I'm very surprised. I'll, I'll give you a stat that I, learned, I came across. In 2011, there was 150 different software packages that covered uh, CRMs and email marketing and really any technology that you would use and sell it. Do you know how many there are in 2020? There's 8,000. So we've gone from 150 to 8,000. So that wouldn't be happening if companies weren't getting a huge amount of value out of this. Sure. Stuff. Because sure. people wouldn't be investing it. They wouldn't be buying it. Right. So why are they Why are they doing all that? And what it, what it comes back to is they're finding that having reps spending a lot of time uh, qualified, uh, you know, leads that are quasi-qualified, and we all know what those look like coming from trade shows, you know, uh, that, you know, somebody came by the booth and, you know, kicked the tires, and you call them up, and, you know, they, they're not really interested. So, so you know, you want to be, you want to, what they want to do is they, when they give a rep, they want better qualified leads going to reps. And it turns out that, that if they're able to interact with people up front, so again, how do you do that? Well, we've always got people coming to our websites in MedTech, right? There's software out there that can identify where those the organizations that those people are from, and, uh, and then also through a combination of that as well as, as the interactions that, that companies have with people um, when they come to the website, we can identify uh, who these people are. And so, what other industries are doing is they're having uh, they're actually investing in these marketing automation systems that are able to have a conversation, if you will uh, with with them and it could be you've seen it yourself in chat boxes that are on uh, consumer sites, mm-hmm. you know live chat, but also you know just. Uh, there can be an email marketing where you say, hey, I know, noticed you're interested in this. Would you be interested in learning more about this? So there's ways to sort of use technology so that the, that we're gathering people who are interested in us and then able to qualify them and only send the ones that are a truly, if you will, right. to the sales So So that's, that's obviously helping everybody around there. And it's interesting how much other other industries, and I'm not I'm not saying yet yes or no about our industry, but a lot of other industries are have created this position called sales development rep, and it's similar to an inside salesperson, but not completely. It's it's somebody who is uh, is is has the skill set to use online tools to have conversations with people. As well as having talking to them on the phone as needed. So it's it's a it's a completely different model I don't want to get you know, too down the path, but the point is I guess when you think about the top of the funnel um, There is the early part of the sales process There's a lot of more efficient tools that we can use to to find the people who are already interested and get them to to uh, to get involved with us. Sure, so what do you do? What about the docs that are not
0: coming to your website? Because there's more of them than than others. So how are you, so what tools are out there that can be used to gain that attention?
1: Right, so traditionally what people did, and I'm sure everybody in the audience is familiar with this, something they call outbound marketing. And what that means is you go get an email list or you go to a trade show or whatever. There's just, you go through ways Where you just say, "Here's a blast," and I'm just going to throw stuff on the wall and see what comes back. And you know, not to say that that doesn't have a role, because especially early on when you first launch, you could certainly surface people who are super interested. But the other thing, of course, is is you know, with search. So obviously, if there's a person, a position who's actively searching for a better solution to something, you know, obviously we want to have content that we're creating and putting on our website and. And putting out in blogs uh, such that the physicians who are so actively searching can become aware of us. Um, but the third area, which is I- I've been really, you know, fascinated with and thinking about potential for our field, and I, I- I've- I'm really trying to avoid the jargon in this <laughs> use of digital marketing because it's <laughs> there's so much jargon and. I just have a feeling a lot of IT people have been involved creating this jargon because it's not necessarily obvious but the one that I talk about is inbound marketing um, and the idea there is that you create content that's not strictly about your product right it's, it's about it's trying to say I'm going to create content that's of value to the people that I want to sell to and what that does is that puts me on the radar so you know let's say um if we think about you know uh let's say for example there's there's o r uh, managers or directors that are getting pressure uh you know to to reduce expenses um so they might they might be interested in any content that helps them to run more efficiently uh or anything that that helps them you know be better at reducing costs and so right. And so what companies can do is they can publish content that is specific to that. So you can set it to be an article that doesn't mention the product at all. What it talks about is are you, if you're interested, here's you know five ways that you can make your, your ORs more efficient. Right. And so what that's gonna do is that's gonna create a relationship with people. Why would we care about that? Well, it turns out that you know, obviously some of those people could be on value analysis committees. And so the more that, that someone, oh, sure, I know that company. So they recognize the company already. And guess what? I, here's what I know about that company. They understand me because they publish content that is, clearly shows that they understand my world, they understand what's important to me, and they add value. So I already have a positive inflation and trust Much long before the sales reps ever had that first conversation. So what a difference that would be, you know. If you got to that point where you're on trying to get through the value analysis committee, what a difference if you had that. Yeah. And so it's it's the same the same thing applies with physicians. You know whether you're publishing, uh, you know now we're getting into. Of course, clinical studies, uh, you know, are, are what physicians value a lot, but there's a lot more than that. I mean, you could even, you could, for example, talk about, you could publish content on practice management, right? And so it, it's really, the, the, there's no limit other than, obviously, it costs resources to be able to do this. But the more that you can be seen, the strategy is to become, and, and, and if you think of it, it's very analogous to the sales reps, what they're doing. I, you, when you first approach a new customer, you're trying to build trust. You're trying to build a relationship, and and uh, it, so this is a way to begin doing that at the company level, which will benefit all of the sales reps who then are going out and meeting with these folks the first time. And so so the so once once you come in, and once I create a relationship between you and I, where you're regularly coming. I have content, one of the things you're going to do is you're going to say, you know what, Uh, I'm going to say, hey, would you like to subscribe to, you know, getting our monthly or quarterly message about, uh, you know, again, managing ORs efficiently? Sure. So now I have an email relationship with them, but it's not the kind of email where you just get it out of the blue and you're like, what is this? And you're mostly annoyed by it, right? Those are the cold call emails, and none of us like, sure. None of us like cold call emails, right? In our own experience, but if you if you you know if you're having this relationship where you say, you can think of it in your own world. Put it in the context of if you're a golfer and and, and you know Callaway or whoever is creating things that are enriching your golf experience. Maybe they have tips on the swings. Maybe whatever it is, they're they're creating that. Now, if Callaway comes out with a new line of clubs, all of a sudden I can send this to you and say. Hey, by the way, just want to make you aware, you know, we've talked a lot about how important it is, you know, your, whatever it might be, you know, uh, I'm not a golfer, so I, unfortunately I can't, I can't put, <laughs> keep on this analogy, but, um, but the bottom line is, is I, if I have, if we've talked about the value of, you know, this technology improving your drive distance, and then I tell you, oh, by the way, we've got one, you know? Yeah. Now now it's, you can see how that is a different way of attacking things. So, the, and, but back to what you said originally, this will never work if this is not committed to and planned yes. at the, between the head of sales and the head of marketing. And quite frankly, because there's some reallocation of budget here. So you, you're going to need to put a little more on the marketing side to get this benefit that's going to improve every sales rep's experience. Yeah. Um, yep. so, so that means you're going to have to get the CFO and the, and the CEO to support it as well.
0: Yeah. And so going back to um, something that I was told, you know, 27 years ago by the uh, uh, great Lou Bennett, was you know sales is a process. It's not an event, and I know you've heard yep. me say that over the years. Because um, because I, I believe it. Because too often, um, people out there think it's an event, and uh, and sales is the one area within a company in which everybody can see and everybody has an opinion, mm-hmm. right? And unlike finance, sales never has an opinion for finance because we don't know what the hell is going on, right? Right. So, and it it goes with marketing too. Everyone has an opinion on marketing. And, and so this is a process. So to adopt this, it doesn't mean things. You're going to do it for thirty days, and oh my gosh, everybody's going to yeah. see you. It's not that. It it takes a long time. You know, a long time could be eighteen months, twenty four months before you see a pickup. You'll see something within six to nine months, but the real kicker is a year, year and a half. Um, but it's the consistency of it, and it's the bringing of the value. Now. A lot of people in med tech have heard of Gary Vanyerchuk and um, and what he's done and from his marketing perspective, more on the B2B side. I'm not mm-hmm. sure if he's in med tech or not, but they've always talked about give, 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 ask. Give, 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 ask. Yes. I mean, he wrote a book on it, jab, 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 right hook, where it's the same thing. You know, you've got to give this value back before you ask for something. Too often exactly. we're walking in going I, this is a true story. I was sitting in um, Joliet. No, I was in Kankakee, Illinois, and uh, just did some cases with a neurosurgeon. And I was, uh, I was the regional manager at the time, but knew, knew the doc and wanted to see me. So I went with the rep. And then another rep from another company comes in, and we're sitting in the, in the surgeon's lounge, and he tosses him a cervical plate. In the air, goes, look, Doc, look at our new cervical plate. He throws it in the air. Okay, this is a sales call. Catches it. He looks at it and he tossed it back. Says, look like every other one I've seen. End of sales call. (laughs) <laughs> right? Yeah. And so I, I I bring that up because that's what not all med tech people are like that. But we've got this idea that we're going to feature and benefit dump and that a, a doc is going to be wowed by it and uh, and walk away. And we know the best of the best create value over time. Mm-hmm. And and that was the rep. On the front lines, bring in tons of value. And there's some great, Mm -hmm. great reps out there, obviously there are, that do that. Um, But there's a a vast majority that haven't been trained to do that, don't know how to do it, don't understand it. Um, And so I look at this, the marketing campaign is the same thing. And the sales organization has to follow suit going forward of how do I give, 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 and then ask. And, and it has to be a well-coordinated dance so that the messages don't get mixed up and, um, and that the, the doctor, the provider is looking at the company and that brand value stays whole regardless of who they're interacting with.
1: Yep. So
0: it's, it's here, let me show you something interesting that's happening in, um, You know, in orthopedics, you're selling your your logical product, right? You're saying, isn't this interesting that hospitals are adapting this? Um, Just thought you'd like to see, right? Just simple things like that, right? Yeah. To bring that value. So um, I just, it's just important that we start thinking differently about that sales approach because let's go to a startup, all right? I'm a startup. I'm going to go into, um, you know, pick, it doesn't even matter to any any sort of procedure um, to treat a certain type of, of patient. And you're going to have to, in these days, you know, I think it's going to be very challenging. Um, you're going to have to either – well, you're going to have to do both. You're probably going to have to hire sales reps with a, with a tenure in their field greater than five years who has a network of surgeons that – and providers, you know, supply – uh, chain management as well that can get in pretty quickly to have some conversations, but that's going to be an expensive, expensive, um, route to take, you know, so the, so you can do that, but, but it's going to be expensive. The other aspect of this is I'm going to have a marketing campaign. This is what I believe, Tom, and you tell me if I'm wrong. I'm going to launch a product in nine months. I'm going to have a marketing campaign that is going to create this value so that when I do hire my sales force that maybe has five years or less of tenure, right, doesn't have the relationships, but I have a marketing machine that is loosening up the front lines so those reps can walk in and have been trained to create to, – to replicate that value proposition through their interactions, and because otherwise, if you just hire very expensive reps, right, it doesn't mean, and we all know this, it doesn't mean that your product's going to be adopted just right. because you have access. There has to be a value proposition around it. So, because right. I always say, you know, the doctors now have relationships that, that go beyond the individual rep locally it's it's company wide it's peer wide um where it's deeper so a rep can't come in and just uh convert the business let's say so i think from a startup perspective having a digital marketing campaign prior to a sales launch is it's not it's not important it's necessary
1: yeah i think i think you're absolutely right so you know there's a and there's got to unpack this here because sure. you, there's so many points that you just brought up that I think are worth, you know, talking about. Um, first of all, medical device companies in general, and this has been my experience, um, they give short shrift to preparing for the product launch. And, you know, when you're a sales rep, you know, you, you may go to a meeting and say, geez, how come we don't have all the resources? You know, why, why is it we have a few and, but not everything? And so the first, the first, the reason for that, it's easy to get mad at the marketing team and maybe they, they were culpable there, but most likely it's that the company got started too late. You know, they yeah. hired a marketing team too late or they didn't staff it properly or whatever it is. So, so, you know, we spend, and there's been articles written by this. One of my favorite companies is ZS. Yeah. They're the uh, c- consulting company and yeah. they published a lot of this and contrasted with how MedTech does this versus Pharma or some of their other clients and you know we just have a lot more seat of the pants historically on this and um, you know by starting that a little bit earlier and by to to your point the other thing that that you know I I recall one of the things Joe Mullins talked about in your prior podcast was um you know he talked about his personal journey where he said hey you know I didn't grow up with this digital like the millennials did Um, But, you know, he went to school, you know, he self-studied and he says now I'm somebody with 30 years of experience in all the things we know are important, like the value proposition and other things that if you get wrong, you have no chance for success. So, you know, one, do you have a good value proposition Two, can you communicate it through your reps? Three, if you can communicate it through your reps, can you also communicate it, you know, through marketing communications beforehand or at least set the table? And, and what I mean by that is when you look at, um, you know, so if we if, let's say you have, uh, you know, I don't know, you know, one of these products, let's say that that uh, treats extremely high blood pressure, you know, these renal denervation products or whatever right. have come out. Um, you know, before that, before that comes out, one of the things the company can do is they can they can put resources out that talk about. You know, well, these patients who are in these extreme zones, what is the consequence you know, of those patients going untreated? What's available today? So I call this market conditioning. And what it's doing is I'm not telling you about our product because we don't yet have FDA approval anyway. But what I am doing is I'm, as I'm, as I'm setting up the story. Essentially what the rep would do in the early sales calls where they right. go and they ask questions. How are you managing these patients? When you can't control their blood pressure, what does that mean, right? The, the right. surface, the pain type questions. So we could absolutely replicate that before launch, so that it's just a much more receptive audience. And, right. and as I also mentioned, we could also put out resources that we know our value. So you know, this this requires a different level of investment in marketing and involves doing it earlier. You know, and to your point, it also involves having sales and marketing super tight. Yes, this is what our value proposition is. Because if I'm a sales rep, I'm like, okay, if marketing's going to be putting out these communications, and they're going to do, you know, if a doctor expresses interest, they're going to send them an email. You know, right? Um, I can I trust that? Right. And so now you say, so to your point, what this means is they've got to see that the head of sales and head of marketing are super tightly aligned. That no, this is the story. And, and we've done market research, we've tested this. We went out and had some of these test conversations that you might have normally post-launch. Uh, you know, that there's no reason we can't have those conversations before launch and refine the story before launch right. so that you know we've got that sort of six to 12-month refinement. We've got that up front. And you really have to do it because if you're creating all this content, you've got to know it. you can't wait till. You can't wait till six to twelve months after you launched to say, "Oh, this is the story." Right. You know. So, so yeah, I think so. Really, when you think about it, it's it's one, it's a different way of operating in the core traditional way we do this, and then two is adding the digital tools um, because they can help us do this better. But again, it's all about augmenting what the sales rep is already doing.
0: Yeah. No, I agree. Um... What other, so when you're, when you're out there and you're talking to companies and, and just, you know, tying in your network, what are the top, I guess, because we've gone through a lot of things, what are the top three things you, or questions you're asking and what kind of responses are you getting when it comes to this new idea in MedTech of,
1: you know, marketing? Yeah, so I think like anything else, there's going to be early adopters, right? So just like if you were launching a product, you're going to find – so you're going to find – and what we know is when you have something brand new, if you go out and just talk to 10 random docs, you know, probably seven or eight are going to be at, you know, I'm not interested, right? But there's two or three that are going to say, hmm, you know, that's super interesting. And and I, I really want to find out more about that. And I think that's been my experience as well, which is you have a lot of people that can't comprehend this. I, I'll tell you a story that you know um, that I heard that is it, it kind of speaks to medtech. Is um, we all know that it's you know it's a very tight knit community, and you just everybody knows everybody. Right. And there's a, quite frankly, there's a lot of groupthink about how you do stuff. And so, you know, I heard a story about one company where um, they had a product that um, clearly an elective product. Uh, I'll just, you know, to keep, sure. keep, the, keep the names innocent here, but an elective product that in every way the patient was going to be the one who's more unhappy if this product isn't used than the doctor. Right. Mm-hmm. It's it's the doctors, you know, they're not going to get sued like they would for, you know, treating cancer wrong, you know, for a benign, a relatively something that's certainly not going to kill you. are not going to have a long term, but it's it's an annoying thing to live with. Right. So it, that is a in my mind, that is a tailor made for direct to, to patient marketing, which we haven't really talked about, but is a, certainly another part of the digital world. and you know, so, and why is it so great? Well, in the past, when you wanted to do direct to consumer, you know, you, would have to go and say, um, geez, you know, uh, I've got to put billboards up on the highway or I'm running radio ads and those are expensive and you're spending a ton of money to reach a bunch of people that don't have the condition sure. just to reach the few. So with, di- with digital marketing, um, uh, Even if I only have one physician, let's say in in Chicago where I've only got one doc, but I still can do ads that I'm only going to pay for if somebody is interested. Yeah. And so it's extremely cost effective. It's completely different than the old world. So the the traditional thinking in the old world was that patient marketing is something that comes much later in the life cycle of the product. Right, right. But the reality is… It's something that, can, that as soon as you have a physician who's committed and loves your product and wants to do more, then you should be doing that, and, and it shouldn't be. And you know, this company, the board you know, said, hey, um, geez, we don't have enough physicians on board yet, so why would we be doing you know, direct-to-patient marketing? It doesn't make any sense. So so, there's, so you get those knee-jerk reactions of, well, no, we don't do that in this industry or that doesn't work here. But you've always got visionaries. And I think that's what a lot of what you see. uh, There's a ton of publications that say a lot of companies are just hunkering down, getting through this, hoping that it'll be better on the other side. But the ones that are going to be hugely successful are the ones that have a vision and say, you know what, I want to be successful, as successful as I can now. But more importantly, on the other side, I want to be better than my competitors. Yeah, yeah. And And that's. That's
0: the big driver. I I, I know. It, it it really is because I've heard that before. And I probably 10 years ago would have been on that side of the coin of like, why are you going to do this? We don't have any doctors. We're now, but but our digital world has evolved greatly since Correct. 2010, right? Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, there's companies out there that get to patients. I'm going to give a shout out to um, my buddy, Nicholas Bingy, um, who mm-hmm. is... You know, helping uh, along those lines with, uh, with companies and doctors' practices to specifically target patients that are looking for their solution. So if a small company can do it, then um, bigger companies, even startups that are well-funded can go down that road and it's not going to cost a ton of money to do it because hey. as the competition grows – as patients, as we've seen, become more educated, and they are given options, and they go to a doctor, and they say, I've seen this, I want to try this product. Mm-hmm. 15, 20 years ago, because I've seen, I saw this happen, docs would say, no, nah, that's not for you, right? Just, and cut it off. Because patients mm-hmm. were coming in with, you know, reams of paper that they printed off from the internet. You know, as they were self-diagnosing themselves, right? Exactly. And and it became a pain for the doctors, and I get it. But now, with the specificity around these conditions, and saying, "I know this is me," right? I want to discuss this. I use Uh someone else's product. Not really interested, doc. Looking at let's talk about this one. And more doctors, especially your younger doctors coming out, are more apt to have that conversation. No doubt. Right. And, um, and so that can drive it. And that, once again, though, if you're going to do that, you got to get your sales force tied into it because they're going to walk into a doc's office and they're going to go, I had three patients last week. Tell me about your product. And one, I'm really irritated by it. Right. I've, I've mm-hmm. seen that. Or, you know, it's something that I've got to look at. Either way, if you're irritated, it's because you know you have to change. And you don't want right. to. And the and the other doc is saying, you know, let's talk about it. I got to learn more about this, so I I'm educated when I'm talking to my my uh, my patients. So it's right. such a positive right way of doing it, and it's not a combative. Use our product because product you know X is terrible. It's this exactly. is what we do. This is the value behind it. Ask your doctor, right? Correct. And so, but once again, sales and marketing have to be aligned on that.
1: Yeah, and and um, you know I I think you know I mean obviously you know me but you know the audience doesn't but um, I've never been a technology for technology sake person, right. and there's definitely a risk of that as well. So I, I, I'm sure that um, many of the folks in the audience have been involved with um, a, a CRM deployment, and and particularly if this is being run by finance, <laughs> right or. Right. Or, you know, and, and I, I've, I've had this conversation. I don't know how many times with folks, um, you know, if I'm not involved with rolling that out and they're not intimately involved with the sales leadership, uh, you know, the message is, look, here's the bottom line of the CRM. If you can't show the rep that it's going to help them sell more, they're never going to do what it is you're asking them to do with the CRM. Yeah. Right. And so it just right. And I don't blame it. Right. Why would I do this if I can't sell more? I, right. I, I complete. So so what's your with them? Well, so the difference, I think, with all of this is if it's something that sales and marketing leadership are doing strategically together. Number one, there's already a higher level of confidence that this isn't going to be, you know, just some new HQ thing that's going to cause me to have to spend more time on paperwork and less on selling. Right. So I, I think, you know, a, a big key to this is that you've got people who understand the why. Why are we bringing technology in? Is there, there you know, it has to be a reason that advances our sales or we're not interested in it. So right. so that's the bar. And then when it's developed and implemented, it has to be done that way. Um, and But the good news is this. All of these things, even CRM systems now have the ability to do these um you know, these these email campaigns. And and I, you know, I always I always imagine the audience when I say that, like, oh my god, what kind of email are you sending to my dog? And <laughs> you know, the answer is right, and and, and, and that's a fair point. So it is, it totally is. But this is why this is this is a strategic. So the way to get into digital, a lot of companies what they'll do is oh we'll hire we'll hire a sales planner, right? And the sales planner's gonna go get us a Sierra. And then we'll hire a digital marketer, and nobody knows what digital marketers do. So we assume that that when we have a trade show, they'll send outbound messages and you know they'll post on some of the social media networks. And you know, it's sort of a it ends up being more like a, a corporate feel-good, like, yeah, we've got social media too. But that's not how you do it. You need right. to have you need it, it all needs to be integrated in the in that commercial strategic plan, and really it has to be a that, again, this this planning. So, so many times you and I have been in the situation where, like, you're doing budget planning in the fall and sales is off doing their thing, marketing's doing their thing. I've seen it where, you know, each has their own different funnel, right? Sure. So <laughs> yeah. There's no possible way they're going to interact together. And that's the point of all this, is that when you build a, a funnel, now you don't build a sales funnel or a marketing funnel, you build a commercial funnel. Right. And these tools... Uh, are, are, can allow you to do that successfully. And having a CRM system that talks with the marketing automation system, all those types of things are keys to doing this well. And, and as we all know, you're only going to get one shot, right? You're, the company, if you do this, and like you, you alluded to earlier, you know, well, where are my results in 30 days? You've got to set expectations for, hey, we are going to have lots of data that's going to show you the value of this. Uh, but, of course, like anything else, we need to put some time and some investment into it up yeah. front.
0: Yeah. No, for sure. So it's um, it's interesting you say it's a commercial funnel, which is, just tells you that the commercial team, sales and marketing, you know, just have to become more aligned on what's going on out there and what's going to happen. Um, so, Tom, we, we've spent a lot of time now, um, you know, talking about this and, you know, really the, the point. You know, for the medical sales nation is, and you've heard me say this before is you got to be a student of your game, and um, and you know people say my profession isn't a game. Well, you understand what I mean. You've you got to be a student of your profession. You've got to be a student yep. of your game. You have to to adopt. And we're in a world in which you better start thinking clearly and differently about this mm-hmm. and, um, and about your skill sets because it isn't change for change's sake. It's change so you can add value to your company and your customer. And that's really what it comes down to. Those folks in the commercial, and I'm talking sales organizations, sales reps, sales managers, you know, area vice presidents. You need to adopt and think differently about the future. And I was talking to uh, to to some uh, vice president of sales who said, "Hey, our Q3 is even bigger than what we thought it was going to be, so we're good when it when it comes to doing anything new." And right, right, and and I and I. And my question to him was, what is your sales management team doing to provide value to your customer and your company when they can't ride with a rat, they can't go in the OR, they can't make office visits because they're only letting one person? Well, I got, you know, nothing back, right? Right. So, so the question isn't about, are you hitting that number today? the question is what are you doing what skill sets are you acquiring how are you looking at the world differently for tomorrow right because right. you said it earlier those that are adopting this are going to be way ahead and those that are not are going to play catch up so so that, that that's a lot there to digest but you know for the medical sales nation think about this as skill set development and don't wait for your marketing team to come up with these ideas, go out and start introducing some ideas and, and disturbing the thought process that's going on and disrupting it so that you can bring a little bit more clarity into 2021. Um, so, Tom, with that, I know your time's valuable. What, a um, couple things, maybe uh, some parting thoughts on uh, on, you know, what companies should, how they can start thinking about this and then how people can uh, reach you to learn more about what you're doing and what you're offering.
1: Yeah, sure. Thanks. So I think, um, so one of the things I've posted a lot on now is companies, a lot of companies are doing their, you know, their fall planning for next year. Um, and I think, you know, on the company side uh, it's, it's putting in a budget and and the good news is this because of trade shows, which, I know as a marketing guy, are all you know they're gonna be the largest proportion of your spend. Yeah. And because those are cut back, that money's there. So don't just take that money and reallocate it. Take that money and say, you know what, we are gonna start investing in digital, uh in digital and you know, don't call it digital marketing, we call it you know digital sales enablement. That's really what it is. It's it's augmenting what we're doing. Yep. And so so I think that's one is on the budgeting side. And then, you know, the second thing is, um, you know, getting, getting with somebody that, um, that understands the business. So again, it's not about calling the Salesforce vendor, um, you know, on the marketing side, there's, you know, lots of vendors, HubSpot, sure. Arcado. It's not about calling that and having them come in and present, because quite frankly, they don't understand your business, Yeah. you know, there's not a lot of penetration in Medtech. And so, you know, you want to be partnering with somebody that can be, um, that understands, you know, the med tech world and, uh, you know, can be an asset to make sure that this stuff is brought in and incorporated in a way that's useful in the med tech space yep. and, and that works in that space. And okay. so kind of tying into your point, you know, that's, that's one of the things uh, that, that I do at Pat's health marketing, cha-ching, we need a little bell. <laughs> so, um, yeah, and people can absolutely reach me and, and if, if you just want to talk about it or if they want to get somebody involved that can sure. help them set this stuff up, implement it, i uh, be more than happy. So you know, they can, they can uh, obviously just look me up on LinkedIn, uh, Tom, last name is P-A-T-Z-E-L-T, and um, you can reach me at Tom at PatSelfMarketing.com. Uh, and so, uh, would love to chat with anyone about this stuff, even if that's what it is is—an a formal chat, cause it's, it's really fascinating.
0: Yeah, no, it's great. So, well, Tom, I appreciate your time on the medical sales nation. And, um, once again, uh, be a student of your game. There's, there's changes ahead. And, and, uh, even if you're in the sales organization, I always say this, don't wait for somebody, you know, to come up with an idea, um. Share your thoughts, share your insights, and, you know, be a disruptor and cause change to just so you're more successful at what you do and embrace digital technologies, whether it's remote case coverage, um, getting your entire company into an operating room, or if it's You know, digital marketing to gain the eyeballs of your customers and potential customers, your vendors, so that it just makes your job easier talking to somebody who's already aware of what your offerings are. So um, just embrace it, learn it, be a student. So without uh, any more delay in getting off uh, the Medical Sales Nation, Tom, thanks again for joining Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, no, it's been a pleasure. And Medical Sales Nation, hang tough. Until next time, good luck selling.